0: In that
1: case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast with Biggs and Lens. We have an entire laundry list of things to discuss during this podcast. So we're just going to cut, cut right to it. You, you know where... My co host, good friend, Florida State alum, Stephanie Lenz, good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm I feel I am prepared yet unprepared for all that we have to talk about today.
1: Oh yes. It is a smorgasbord of news, insight, and chances are we probably offend some folks. And I'm kinda of here for offensiveness. Um so first thing we need to talk about is the Mississippi case involving, you know, pretty much the Overarching Roe versus Wade, and to hear. Actually, no, I'm not even giving my opinion because, as a man, first, this is really my opinion. My opinion is secondary, tertiary, whatever four is in that line. As a woman, and you're hearing this, what goes to your mind?
2: Well, its it's not about the medical procedure, it's about controlling women, and then when you extend that, it's about. How far can we push curtailing people's civil liberties if we're going to make it so that women can't pursue the health care that they need? where can we go next? and what you know let's say that that Roe gets overturned or so crippled that it basically wouldn't exist anymore, which is what they want. What are they going to fundraise on next? So we have to also look ahead to where will they go and with you know them making it so that people we've seen murder someone are allowed to go free and then go socialize around the right wing social circles. They're okay with that. They're gonna be okay with you know, poor women, brown women, black women dying, you know, because they can't get the health care that they need. Where what else will they be fine with next year, five years? When kids now are adults. You know, they're fine with what happened yesterday in Michigan. So you know, it just it, there's, it opens up a whole door of things. So it's not just about abortion. It's not just about this civil liberty. It's about all of them. And that's where we are.
1: As a man, I sit back and uh, choose my words carefully because truly watching men discuss women's bodies is disturbing to me. It is something off putting where it's not really my say and it's not my lane. And Just to watch all of this one thought just remains in my head and it is for those folks in twenty sixteen who couldn't be bothered to vote correctly or vote at all, this is on your shoulders. The fate of Roe and the after effects rest the blame I should say rests on their shoulders. This is their fault. This is their problem. This is not problem. This is their, this is what they have brought. This is their legacy. And there's a saying to paraphrase it. It's victory has many mothers and fathers, but defeat is an orphan. Now today we're tying all of the defeat to a bunch of people. Burners, those who vote for Jill Stein, those who, you know, who are always never Hillary. When the email lady would have been present, you would have had four younger justices that probably would have strengthened Roe mm-hmm. and made it so that you have repro repro rights as a woman because as a man, like I said, it it hits me different. It hits me as a friend, as an uncle, as a boyfriend as a dad, it, that, it just it hits me that way. Because mm-hmm. the women I know in my life, they should have just as many rights as men do. And I'm watching it and I lay this all on 2016. Mm-hmm. Elections have consequences. These are the consequences. And there are people who voted correctly who, who might, who will probably suffer. And to your point of where next? Well, well, since they gutted the VRA Mm -hmm. and they've already made it so it's open season on being racist pigs so I think that I can see the hate crime enhancer on certain state laws go away. I can see it now. Mm -hmm. I can see it. I can see companies being or people who are and people who are abused by the system get nothing, zero. This is where this is where we are now. This is our this is this country, and I'm looking at Brett Kavanaugh as Supreme Court Justice and just turns my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Sonia Sotomayor like, defending her, just just fighting what everything she has and just just outflanked by just hate on each side. The Clarence Thomas should never been a fucking judge to start with. Still in the chair, even though his wife tried to, I name tried to, she owned up to fomenting insurrection. Mm-hmm. Yep. The these people
2: a, were seated by someone who fomented insurrection.
1: Yep. That gets to walk away. Meanwhile, women who... Even born yet will suffer this, mm-hmm. and to hear Amy Coney Bear talk about a oh, wanted adoption. I'm sorry, I mean, not too many people have the funds or resources to adopt. And true, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't really want to see another Amy Tony Barrett adopting because of just her handmaiden like nature. Duh. Just that, 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 oh, it's sickening. Now, with that, there is always so much to discuss. And if we pivot, let's talk about Marcus Lamb. Marcus Lamb is a, (laughs) there's a find out portion. Well, Marcus Lamb was, uh, and was a Christian broadcaster, and he was an anti vaxxer He contracted COVID and he passed away. Now, here's my thing. Like, tell tell me if you, you fall upon the same lines. Like, there's an irony to it that you need to appreciate. I don't wish death upon anyone. However, I don't feel bad.
2: Yeah, there's a whole subreddit devoted to it. It's called the Herman Cain Award. They, uh, yeah, (laughs) they they follow people usually just regular folks who publicly post, you know, horseshit on Facebook or wherever. It's almost always Facebook, just meme after meme about the owning libs and um, equating Biden to the Klan and just all this kind of crazy shit. And then all of a sudden, the posts take a turn. I'm having a cough. I don't feel good. After, you know, there's been like five memes of they'll never put that poison in me. And then they turn to thoughts and prayers, and then an RIP, and then usually a GoFundMe. And it's almost the same pattern every single time. And once in a while they get somebody who is, you know, blue check-ish, like this guy. And the whole, you know, where people are in the comments that are made on these posts is... You know, they, they fucked around and found out. These are people who knew that there was a vaccine. They knew what they needed to do to keep themselves and the people around them safe from getting this deadly virus. And they not only didn't do it, they spit in the faces of everybody who was doing it. So that's kind of where it is. And this guy had a platform, and he could have been telling people, God has sent us this vaccine. This is our sign from the divine that we can do something to help one another, which is what our faith is all about. It's about helping each other, doing for the least among us what everything we can do to be godly. And they don't do it because that's not what they're interested in. So, you know, if he found out, he found out. But he did know better. And he was a person who could have done better for others and chose not to. That's where I stand.
1: They try to... You know, once once you see people in there with, you know, wings behind their picture on on a T-shirt, it's over for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel nothing. I feel I feel bad for the people that contracted COVID that were vaccinated willing and they passed away. You know, even though I feel bad for the people who didn't get a chance to get vaccinated because of the slow rollout from last from last year. I feel bad for those folks in my heart and my soul. I feel bad for them, but no, if folks start kicking off now, no, because if you like, there are people who are still walking around unvaccinated. That's why the Omicron variant is a thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and no. nothing. I don't, I don't Sometimes feel that
2: right before we went, before we started talking to each other, it's, it's on the ground in California as though we didn't know it was
1: mm-hmm. But
2: here we are. Yep
1: then California being one of the biggest states, chances are it'll be across the country soon.
2: If it came through an airport, it spreads everywhere.
1: Everybody. And, you know, folks, like, you know, get vaccinated, get the booster, something. Now, one of the stories that have, you know, caught my eye was there's a story after Alice Siebold, Mm-hmm. She's a writer, and she apologized to a man named Anthony, Anthony Broadwater, who was exonerated after her after rape conviction. She said, I will continue to struggle with a role that I unwillingly played within a system that sent an innocent man to jail. This man went to jail in 1982. He got out in 1998. Where have you been 23 years?
0: I
2: I read about this yesterday. She's the writer of The Lovely Bones, for anybody who's like, I know that name. That's what it was. Um, She was raped in college in 1981, didn't know her attacker. Then she was walking along. uh, This is in Syracuse, I think. And she was walking along. She saw someone she thought was him. And so she called the cops on the guy who was walking along, said that he was her rapist, and had the guy put in jail. He never was. was, He he was put in jail just on her eyewitness testimony that happened after the event. And this is, it didn't happen like right after. This is some time afterward that she saw him walking down the street and thought it was the guy. So um, she kind of, the, the apology wasn't what one would expect to come from someone who took 23 years of someone's life because she was upset or wanted someone to pay. Um, this was an apology of, I still want to sell books, I still want to have a career kind of thing. Um, it just, it, it's a whole mess. And I would feel more that she was apologetic for what happened if I'd seen her involved in any kind of criminal justice. But I don't see that. All I'm hearing about is this apology that came out. I'm not hearing where she did anything to help get this guy out of jail and realize he was wrong. In the 90s, aughts, 20-teens, you know, all this time, didn't hear anything. So, you know, she just randomly chose a black guy walking down the street, said, that's him, and put him in jail. And, and you know, and the, the prosecutors played a part in this. Everybody played a part in it. But she doesn't seem to get the weight of what her part was. The it, it, apology is thin. You know what I mean?
1: Flimsy. For me, it's says and I will say this when I discuss Alice Siebel and all that, somebody ripped her, and that is mm-hmm. terrible. I wish that never happened to her or anyone else. I mm-hmm. feel for her in that respect. However, from that point on, mm-hmm. everything else after that her word took a man's life. Mr. Broadwater spoke from the judge when he's being in in celebration hearing. And he said, what if I, you know, couldn't have kids? Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: she stole the system stole with her identification His life completely. And as a black person, I mean, this is going to sound strange, but the, I remember being, child and my father always said like he always, as he said when they came home with a bunch of like bright colored t-shirts I don't, I mean I was more of the wearing the blue and black face but he's like wear these, I'm like why? Because chances are it's bright enough where somebody will know, who you, know you because of the brightness of your clothes that you can't be identified with anyone else at the least will give you that From that point on, (laughs) yeah, look at my closet. I have a bunch of bright clothes. Yes, it may not help a lot, but chances are if I'm wearing a bright orange shirt, you're not going to be able to miss that. And and these are the little measures that we've had to do to kind of stay out of trouble even. And with her and with Mr. Broadwater, what happens with the next person or the person still in jail now? Who mm-hmm. has to deal with this? And I'm sorry, but the racial component is is right there. It's there is I deal with it every day, and I see and I hear. Well, you don't. You shouldn't judge all white women. I don't judge all white women. I judge the ones who are defending her. Mm-hmm. Yes, we believe victims, and yes, from the deepest place, my heart, I feel sorry, and I and I feel awful that that tragedy happened to her. I do, but. It goes deeper. I feel awful that somebody stole that man's life.
2: Yeah, There's a difference between someone has to pay and the perpetrator has to pay. Mm -hmm. The perpetrator didn't pay, but someone did. And this, this story, this is America's story. This has happened time and again and time and again. It's not the last time and you can go back over all of our history. It's always, you know, there's always going to be a black man accused of raping a white woman because a white woman comes forward and points her finger.
1: And, and a white woman always not always listen to, but when it comes to a black man, they listen to. That's mm-hmm. true. Not, not Brock Turner, who raped yeah. a woman outside and served what, four months? Not listened to. If,
2: and that's the case Alex. of a perpetrator who was supposed to pay. Yep.
1: And <laughs> no,
2: no, That's wow. what we want. We want the right yes. person to do the right time.
1: And this is not about trying to stand or rally for every black person. Because, honestly, there are black folks who should go to jail. I'm sorry. You commit a crime. You got to go. Mm-hmm. You commit a heinous crime, you should go to jail. it because a heinous crime. Like, there's no defending that. I don't care. There's no, no, go to jail. I don't care who the victim was. You violate somebody, you go to jail. Period not hard. Speaking of, there is a basketball coach who made an entire career out of this and I, oh God, these stories back to back suck and I just Mm -hmm. (sighs) do you want to handle how we address this one? Because I, you know, my thought was like, I just, if I'm one of those parents you know, I'm 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 in jail right now. It's a guy in uh, Kingstown, Rhode Island, at North Kingstown High School.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: it's, a, it's a private school too. Because
2: mm-hmm. uh, it was the Monsignor who emailed people to say that the guy's on administrative leave, pay, paid administrative leave. So because it's paid administrative leave, and the Monsignor is sending the note, you know this is something gross and pervy. So um, long story short. The basketball coach at the high school was doing fat tests and wanted to um be naked with basketball players to see if they had if they were you know if their body type was right for basketball. I played basketball in middle school. I never had to be naked with anybody. I had to the first time I had to do a urine test was for that. That's it. Other than that it was running drills until your calves have never recovered. decades later Um, this is just this is just a perv using his position to do pervy things and you know you think the stuff that the more that it comes out the less people will do it like you know the Sandusky thing comes out or the story comes out that um, the spotlight team on the Boston Globe covered about the Catholic Church you think that maybe it would stop nope a victim contacted um, the school department uh, super, assistant superintendent in February of this year because this guy was still doing this, doing it to dozens, if not hundreds, of boys to it over at least a 10-year period, and he called it fat testing. It's absolutely disgusting, and, these, and he's on paid administrative leave. It's, it, apparently, it's an open secret. That's what the headline actually says out of the Globe. So it's. It's it's just kind of a, you know, a, victims came forward. Victims talked about this, and no one did anything. So now that it's hit the news, I guess they're going to start doing things. But um, what he'd do is he'd, he'd have students strip down, male students, and they would do certain stretches. And he was saying that what he was doing was a, a fat test, which let's say for the sake of argument one did need to do some kind of test about BMI or something. That's not how you do it, but that's not necessary either. It, all that matters is can you play basketball? If that the way. answer is yes, you play. If the answer is no or I'm not sure, maybe maybe you sit out a little bit, but that's exactly. all you need to do. So I'm tired of it being coaches. I'm tired of it being priests. I'm tired of it being parents, cops, you know, whatever it may be, people who have authority over children do this all the time. And it's, it's usually you think that, you know, well, maybe it'll calm down. Maybe you won't hear this so much anymore because people will come out about it. People do come out about it, and nobody does anything. Or you come out to the wrong person. You come out to somebody in the school district who turns around and puts the guy on administrative leave.
1: On so until you November. get media
2: involved. It, you know, it just sits and gathers. On,
1: on November 5th, the uh, Monsignor Clark's principal fired him. They fired the coach, but oh, did he? here's, Good. here's my thing. Like, It makes me apprehensive as a parent because I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and if I ever got a inkling or a clue of it, this would be called the Tuesday Podcast with Lens. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: you would have a GoFundMe for bail.
1: Yes, because I would probably be sitting somewhere under the jail because I cannot guarantee the safety of anyone who would attempt to hurt my children. I, We need... I mean, it's it's been a heavy open, but we need a, a step out for a quick break and a quick palate cleanse. But you are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast with Biggs and Linds on the FPC Radio Network.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: We are back with the Black Souset Podcast with Biggs and Lens. Biggs here. Lens over there. Hertz, the rental company. Apparently, people have issues with hurts, and I mean, as bad as his dad joke is about to happen, you know, people use rental company. You know, everybody hurts sometimes. They're really
2: good at picking <laughs> spokesmen too, if you remember.
1: O.J. Simpson was one of his spokesmen. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was, was running. to
2: run over the seats in the air, in the airport.
1: Yep, to run and catch his plane.
2: Mm.
1: A rental. a rental the murdering pitchman. Now, there, I mean, this is wild to me. You had companies, um, the company falsified stolen car reports. Some drivers went to jail. Uh-huh. Like, you work in, with, in retail, this is considered retail. Like, have you worked in an atmosphere of the, corporate just being so bereft of common sense that this happens.
2: I worked in places where the upper echelon wanted certain things to happen and didn't care if the lower echelon, the people who are actually face-to-face with the customer, you know, if the customer is screaming in your face, the upper echelon doesn't care. All they care about is can you make the outcome so that we get our money? And, did you read the story about the you know kind of prompted this to come back out about the woman who um was trying to get a car rental for Thanksgiving week in New York City?
1: Yeah, explain it for the people.
2: Um long story short, uh this couple and their blind deaf dog, <laughs> the cocker spaniel I think. They were trying to rent a car. They had rented a car. Uh they were supposed to pay about 440 for the week. They were going to be driving out to Western New York, Rochester, Buffalo, something like that. And they showed up to pick up the car. There's a woman there. There's a line of about 20 people. And she says, look, I'm only going to help the next so many people, and then i got to go because we were supposed to close at noon, and we're out of cars. So she closes the window, and there's three people, including the woman telling the story, left. She has to chase all... She calls Hertz and keeps getting hung up on, has to go here, has to go there, has to go all the way out to Williamsburg to pick up a car. When she's there... They finally get her a Kia, and they want to charge her more because it's a fresh rental, so, and they want the last-minute Thanksgiving week rental price. So they end up paying for it, and she's a lawyer, so she wrote a demand letter saying, you're going to honor my original contract. I want a refund for the difference, and I want a refund for the bottle of champagne I gave to the people in Williamsburg who were figuring this out. And so people have been coming forward and saying, I had a similar situation with Hertz there's something going on with Hertz and then this story which is older hit the news about how Hertz one of the things that they do other than saying when you get there there's no car they're going to bump you up they want you to pay the difference they want you to pay the fresh rate they will honor the old contract Um, one of the things that they do is they say that you never returned the car they uh, report it stolen and then you end up in jail and then there's all kinds of other stuff with Hertz that they're um, selling and buying up their shares, and they laid a bunch of people off at the beginning of COVID. And there's a lot going on with Hertz. They were in a, I think, a bankruptcy at one point. So it, they're just a mess. I hate renting cars. Um, we had to rent one because we were getting work done on our car not too long ago, and it's just awful. I just, I, I hate the whole process of it. So um, it, it's not surprising that. You know, all these attorneys general say, "Oh yeah, we've got cases about hurts." Something's got to be done about places where there's there's a system going on that where they're not making their money. They're not making their money on the actual rental contract. What they're making money on is saying that um, you know we're giving you a rental extension. We're bumping. You have to bump up because we don't have the two door that you wanted. We only have a four door. Stuff like that—they're—they're they're shifty, so, like and, and that's the thing that you do is you write to your attorney general and your consumer protection uh, board in your city or in your state. That's how you handle that stuff. And people need to stand up and say, "Look, they did me wrong." That's the other I, thing. I feel and, like and it's, it's so usury. hard to do too.
1: It feels like it's usury. Like they are just charging something exorbitant, and they are just going to be these people where oh, no, we're just going to charge it whatever we feel like. It's not really how it works. And I'm glad it started to come out. But another happy story was today, in 1955, Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to give up her seat. Now, there's so much here as far as how Miss Parks is seen, how, what her legend is, and how she received. When did you first hear about this? And looking back, has your mind changed about her impact?
2: Um, I'll I'll just do the second half first. Um, I do know that there was a younger woman who did this first, but she wasn't Mm -hmm. someone that, um, I think it was the local NAACP, they didn't want to put her forward as the person to challenge this. They didn't want her in media. I think she was Maybe a pregnant teenager or something like that, but mm-hmm. um, and she's worth looking up. Do you know her name off the top of your head? I hate to um, give it.
1: Let me think. Of yeah. That, that, that,
2: so you know something. This had happened. Other other people had stood up and said, "I'm not doing this anymore." Whether it was law or convention, um, doesn't matter. But you know, for for someone to, I mean, even if it was a little orchestrated, let's say it was um, Rosa Parks, still had to do this. She still had to refuse her to give up her seat. She still had to go through all the media scrutiny. She still had to become the face of this. And that's asking a lot. And, you know, she continued to be the face of fighting for racial justice and for fighting against um, segregation. So even if someone else did it first, even if, you know, everything wasn't perfect, still to put things on her shoulders, this one woman's shoulders, um, it was asking a lot of her, and she carried a lot for a lot of people in this country. Um, I first heard about it, gosh, I can't honestly say I heard about it in school, but I grew up going to schools in the South, so um, I don't know what I would have been taught if I was taught about it in school. I did have a black teacher when I was in third grade, but I'm not sure um, that she's the one who taught us. I think I just found out about it probably on TV or something. Um, that's how I knew about a lot of that kind of stuff, was just finding about it on TV or you know, reading about it in a, in a book on my own. It wasn't something that I was taught. Um, I know both my kids were taught in school about Rosa Parks, and we kind of expanded on that at home. But that's how it was for us.
1: Two parts. The lady's name was Claudette Colvin. She did nine months yeah. before, but she was sitting next to another lady named Ruth Hamilton, who was pregnant at the time, and she did the exact same thing the same day. She was sitting next to Mrs. Hamilton, and the bus driver's name was Robert Cleary. And it's, to me, when I look at Rosa Parks, I look at a start of something, where the iconic picture of her and her mugshot, where she had no remorse for it. She, she knows. Like, yeah, I did this, and I, it had to be done. There came a point where it was a you know, it was it was time. It was time to do so like America was fresh not fresh off, but like ten years from World War Two, you had a lot of black servicemen returning who were treated like absolute trash, even though they served in the same war as the white servicemen. And you had expansion, you had a lot of folks down south moving up north, and you had just it was a different time and see Miss Parks and how she kept fighting afterward and how she was quick to be able to delineate accomplices from allies, as far as being around people. And one of her accomplices, believe it or not, for the last, like I said, 10 years of her life, her rent was paid by Mike Illich. Mike Illich is the founder of little Caesar's pizza and he owned, oh, well, his family, he's, he's now dead, but his family, Founded Little Caesar's Pizza, he owns the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. Billionaire. Paid her rent. Asked nothing in return. Just didn't want, just didn't want anybody to tell her. Like, her rent was paid. And this wanted was back to me as an accomplice. Because she lived in Detroit for the last decade of her life. When I look at Rosa Parks, look at, she was allowed about it. There were no hashtags. There were no blue wave emojis. She just got to business. Sadly, we're at a place in America that there's too much talking and not up doing. And people are really cool to say, well, I did this. You can tell me what you did, but I'd much rather see it. And that's the part that I think people fail on. Now, one of the things also people fail on is... Reigning in stupidity, as is in the astral World lawsuit. Folks are about to sue the braids off of Travis Scott. Mm-hmm. And he has shown a propensity for trying to rile up crowds and, and get them amped and just know. And do you, how much of the fault lies with him?
2: A fair amount. I mean, I, I went in when this first happened thinking, well, this was this is kind of on the promoters and the people who run Astro World and it is on them but i didn't realize the extent to which Travis Scott always hypes up his crowd always tells people to push forward always like this is kind of what he's been asking for in his shows for years so that people actually did it and people died from it shouldn't be surprising to him so i would you know put it down to at least a third a third a third you know promoters owners and scott and his You know, whatever you want to call it, like his group that put on the actual show. And if he personally was calling for people to move forward and, you know, crush the front, which apparently is one of his trademark things, then, you know, that bumps that up. If he's a single person calling for people to do the thing and they did the thing and it resulted in death, you know, how is it really different from Donald Trump standing up on January 6th telling people, go storm the Capitol? They go. You know, you are you do have free speech in the country, but you also have consequence for your speech. And I think that he's about to find out that this isn't covered under his First Amendment. This isn't part of his art. This isn't part of his being able to say whatever he likes. He has to take responsibility for his part in this. I do think that some of... He's got some pretty good lawyers here lined up. Um, one of them represented the Goldmans in the civil suit against, already mentioned O.J. Simpson here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, it makes me think that maybe... You might be a settling type, so you know whatever brings peace to the families, the victims, and to the surviving victims, that's the side that I fall onto. And if some of these lawyers can help bring that in a way, instead of having to drag everything through court, and you know, lawyers sometimes can just you know add time on, they just drag their feet to make it last so that people give up. Um, if if we can kind of do away with that and just be like, look. What's it going to take to make you whole? We know that we can't bring your loved one back. But what what can we do? If he gets lawyers like that, it would go a lot toward restoring his reputation such as it is.
1: And for me, Travis Scott has been trash for seven years. Because here's my thought. This is what he said. About oh, seven years ago, I'm kind of angry so many black people are acting like fake activists. I'm not saying Mike Brown deserved to get killed, but I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to pay the consequences that he probably inflicted. Fuck him, plain and simple. Yeah. Just fuck him. Like if he has to pay, you know what? I'm I'm angry that so, so many people are, you know, trying to play the role of music activists. I'm not. I'm saying that Travis Scott should be held held accountable, and I'm also saying that he should pay for the consequences that. He, he should probably pay for things that he probably inflicted. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Douchebag. Now, the. That's I mean, hey, be what it is. When we come back, we need to. We're going to discuss another shooting, some joy in Georgia, the funniest person who has ever graced the comedic stage and a bunch of other stuff. But you are listening to the Black Tuesday Podcast, The Bigs and Lens, on the FPC radio network. With
0: Lucky Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: We are back to the Blacks the podcast with Bigs and Lens. Lynn's out there. Bigs over here. There was yet another school shooting. This one in Oakland County, Michigan. At the point, I mean... It's not even being numb because numb kind of denotes a coldness to it. This is more of a goddamn. I'm tired of watching this. This says more about the gun laws than it does about anything else. Why are we still do, why, why are we still here as a country?
2: Um, cowardice. <laughs> That's kind of where I said it. Um, the Republicans could join with the Democrats and make some laws to curtail like high-capacity magazines, semi-automatic re- weapons. I mean, you don't have to give up your Second Amendment right to ma- – I mean, we've, we've already found out that as far as the vaccine goes, nothing was working. Incentives didn't work, nothing, until there were mandates, until people's hands were tied. Um, Like uh, the, a local employer I know, suddenly mandated vaccines. There were several people at um, a place of employment that hadn't gotten them, they weren't going to get them. They absolutely no one was going to tell them what they could do with their bodies. And then the, va- maxi- the vaccine mandate came down, and all of a sudden it was, okay, where can I go get a shot? So what's going to have to happen is this, someone else is going to have to take the reins and say, look, we're going to not allow this kind of sale of these weapons, sale of these magazines. We're just going to have to stop it. And it can't happen on a state-by-state basis because you just cross the border and get what you want um we we've, we've already seen what happens when people cross you know if if a gun is illegal in one place you just cross the border and suddenly you're allowed to walk down the street during a protest and shoot people so it's going to have to be a federal thing and republicans are going to have to get on board and they're going to have to say we're tired of babies being killed in schools if if we're so pro life that you know we're we're going through all this other stuff why are we not pro life when it comes to children and teachers and people who work in school buildings being safe. It's just, I don't understand why things couldn't happen after Sandy Hook, but when things didn't happen after Sandy Hook, those kids would be in 10th grade right now. Why things didn't happen after Sandy Hook, they're not going to happen. No. It's not going to happen. So it it doesn't matter. I mean, this wasn't neat. Like people were saying, this story wasn't even about the fold in the newspapers today. So, I mean, that's exactly. where we are.
1: When the GOP decided it was okay for people to start shooting little kids in schools, the gun control debate in the country ended. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. it's right there. like.
2: And then they made uh, fun of Obama for being moved by what had happened.
1: Yep, And then, you know, Alex Jones sitting there saying I was a hook, so Mm -hmm. How's that working out for you? Pay all your money. Blow your dickhead. Um, One of the things that is actually a bright spot that could actually possibly help the talk is Georgia is out here flipping local elections, left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. At what point do we bestow, or not we, because we don't have that power, but does the president or someone bestow the Miller freedom? Oh, and Stacey Abrams was some sort of lofty award. Why isn't Jeff Bezos giving her $100 million and not uh, Milk head Van Jones?
2: <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, people are like, well, why is this happening in Georgia? I can tell you why it's happening in Georgia. Stacey Abrams has been put- – this is what happens when you put in the work. This is what happens when you do instead of talk. You know, she I – mean, and she talks as well. But, you know, when you act. You know, she didn't take her victory and go and you know lick her wounds and hide away. She took or her uh, defeat. She went and made change. Look what she's done. If they could enact just, you know, just like let's say one other state could have something like this happen, it, it would change the House. It could change the Senate. We need it in Pennsylvania for sure. I'll tell you that. And you just had a ruling in Wisconsin yesterday about they're going to keep your district the same. Mm-hmm. And they basically just handed the GOP Wisconsin in terms of representatives. Yeah. So if we can get that Abrams method of you know people feet on the streets, fists on, knocking on doors, it, in a few more large capacity states, real change can be made. And, and this is what happens when someone makes real change. It doesn't just happen every four years, every two years. This just happened yesterday. There were with elections, and it's she, amazing.
1: She understands the motherfucking assignment. Like she knew, mm-hmm. like she lost. Like you said, she got to work, and Democrats all over. should know if you put the work in on the ground, like you have a great ground game. They're flipping elect. They're flipping local seats that haven't been blue since the '60s, or since the early to mid '70s. These are seats that were fundamentally red. Georgia has a chance to be that real bellwether again of great thought and where things are going to turn. Sadly, I have a friend who lives in Alabama and he was saying how the redlining and redistricting there is going crazy because they had a black congressman. They still do, but it went from 80% Democrat so now sixty percent Democrats. They cut it twenty percent because of the redistricting. They're trying to get them up, up, up out of there. And mm-hmm. you gotta watch some of these states now. With that joy in Georgia, we need to talk about other joyful things. Today would have marked, I want to say, the eighty-first birthday of, in my estimation, funniest comedian who's ever lived, Richard Pryor. Without prior there is no Chappelle. Mm-hmm. there's no eddie murphy Ed, eddie murphy said this himself
2: oh yeah
1: you know there's nothing like richard Pryor was and he, his his story i'm not the cinephile here but do yourself a favor folks <laughs> go watch jojo dance your life is calling
2: yeah
1: watch that movie that is a biography of richard Pryor in his life that man had a wild ass ride mm-hmm. what do you think is his comedic moment the one you look back and you're like, yeah, this he he was
2: it? He 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 really was it. Um, you know any stand up. Um, if you want to watch some Richard Pryor, uh, Richard Pryor live is on Netflix. I was watching it earlier today. Um, you can also <laughs> I I sent uh, Terry a gift of uh, from See No Evil, Hear No Evil earlier today. to Today was Richard Pryor's birthday. And that's if you get stars, you can stream that for free. Um, that's a fun one. Um long story short, uh Richard Pryor plays a blind man, Gene Wilder plays a deaf man and they get together in hijinks ensue. sue. Um, it's not the best movie ever, but it is a fun way to spend a couple hours. Um to be quite honest, um I, I quite like Silver Streak. I liked um it, like like Star Crazy is another good one. But um Richard Pryor, I think, makes his biggest statement outside of his stand-up in a movie he's not even in, but he wrote, and it's Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Nobody else could have written that. Nobody else could have pulled off what he pulled off in that screenplay. And so much comedy goes right back to that. Even Mel Brooks's own, um, you know, he's got a new book out today. If anyone is interested, he's got a memoir. Uh, that just came out today, and I haven't gotten to listen to it yet. I got the audio book, so um, I know he's going to talk about Blazing Saddles in it, but um, he was very influenced by working with Richard Pryor, and Gene Wilder was so influenced by working with him on the screenplay, and you know, I guess he was there to kind of um, talk back and forth about the character and how to do things, and um, that they ended up making a ton of buddy movies together. Um, Star Crazy, one of them Silver Streaks, one of them... Um, I think I think Gene Wilders gonna start Crazy. But yes. I know Silver Street because it was just on not too long ago. <laughs> and um, see No Evil, here, No Evil, they're in that together. So they're in a lot of stuff together. um, And they're a lot of fun, and they really match each other well. You wouldn't think that these two guys would match, would match up well, but they did. And um, I have to tell you this. When I was in about like, sixth grade or so, um, my mom found out, oh, there's a Jackie Gleason movie. Let's go see that. And she took me to see oh, the no. toy. She took me to see the toy in the movie theater. And I, and I remember being like laughing so hard, um, his boss showed up at his house, and as they were going in the house, he says to the guy, "My wife and I were just about to make love. You can join in." I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> so yeah, he he's in the whiz, isn't he?
1: He is in the whiz he so, yeah,
2: there's the whiz, there's all his live stand up. there's so much good stuff, so much.
1: I mean, you mentioned the toy, and I remember that it, for those, you know, <laughs> need to go stream, it's pretty much about this rich, spoiled kid who I think mm-hmm. is Eric Schwartz, Jackie Gleason, yep. and, and Ther- Teresa Genzel are his parents. And I don't know why I remember that name, but um, <laughs> so basically this man is bought as a entertainment for his kid. And the kid's a little snot-nosed punk and – you know, and it goes the way it's supposed to go, but it's funny and it's a good movie. And Richard Pryor was one of those people that, I mean, Harlem Knights was just, it was like an ensemble cast. It was like Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. It was like the generations of comedy all into one. And people want to say that Chappelle was the greatest is and greatest that. Let's kind of be honest. There was, Richard Pryor was doing things way more actually funny and not trying to be a thought-provoker guy like Chappelle, where Pryor had the skit show. He had different things. He had the life, and he would be the first to tell you he was his own worst enemy as far as his personal stuff. But on his 81st birthday, Richard Pryor, I mean, just hilarious. Mm-hmm. No, in the Muppet movie, he you is. Also, you
2: can find Richard Pryor on Disney Plus.
1: <laughs> and one of the things that you know, it's not in the Muppet movie because I mean, not in the Muppet, movie, but he wasn't in Blooding Silent because the the studio wouldn't insure him, so they mm-hmm. brought on Cleavon Little right. to to step in, and that role worked. It worked it worked for him. Now, now,
2: Cleavon Little brought a lot of sex appeal to that character. I mean, when he shows up in those buckskins, oof. <laughs> All I don't right know now. if it would have been the same effect with Richard Schreier. <laughs> I'm just,
1: I'm
2: not, not saying, I'm just saying.
1: You're not saying what you're just saying. Now, <laughs> weirdly, the we have a new entrant into the Pennsylvania Senate race.
0: That's oh, good.
1: One of us lives in Pennsylvania my co-host. Make Dr. Allegedly, Mehmet Oz make sense being the Republican nominee for senate or if he does get that far
2: <laughs> i don't know i don't get it um he was just sued by his neighbor and his neighbor lives in cliffside park new jersey so i don't know what part of pennsylvania he intends to represent but he doesn't live here so even if he finangles things around and like i think he voted by absentee ballot from an address that wasn't his so um i think this is in-laws address so whatever he tries to finangle to say he's a Pennsylvania resident, show up in Philadelphia. You know, and, and tell people I'm from here and see what happens. Show up in Pittsburgh and, and say, Oh, I'm a Pennsylvanian and see what happens. Ask him what a yins or a use is. Ask him where he buys his hoagies. Ask him sheets versus Wawa. Any Pennsylvanian will be able to have that. He can't have that. I mean he's not good at the job he has. I certainly don't want him to represent me in the Senate. I don't think he's going to. I think this is a joke and a grift. He's he's a quack. He's a grifter just like all the rest. So this is just something for him to get a little clout and he'll disappear.
1: Now, one of the things that, being a doctor, uh, people want to rightfully, I think, lay some of the blame of his stardom on Oprah. She has got for some assholes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, do you think that's fair?
2: I think it's fair. Um, uh, there's him. There's Dr. Phil, who didn't even have a, a doctorate degree, as far as I know, before um, she was parading him out as you know someone to to um, whose words to listen to. Um, but it, I, I always think of when she picked for her book club the guy who said that he'd written the memoir A Thousand Little Pieces. Yes. So she didn't. She didn't vet him at all. And then when it came out that it was fictional, she sat him down and had, like, words with him. And it's like, yeah, he bears a responsibility for that. He put this out as nonfiction when it is fiction. But you're the one who put it in front of us. You're the one who, you know, said, hey, this is great. Let's listen to this guy. You know, you should have done this conversation back then. And so she should have had these conversations with Dr. Oz, with Dr. Phil, back then. How... Qualified are they to be on our TVs giving us medical advice, mental health advice? You know, Dr. Phil was sending kids to these places where they end up, you know, traumatizing children. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I, I really don't. Anyone that Oprah brings out for us to, you know, help guide our lives, I'm really just kind of running the other way at this point. Just. I can't trust her judgment on these folks, even though I think she's pretty cool. I really like what she did for women in media, especially for black women in media. She talked a lot about lighting on sets, not working on black skin. Those are important talks that we need to have, like why aren't these things discussed? But this stuff? Now we have to deal with with this quack wanting to run for Senate? No. This is the bridge too far.
1: What do you think his early chances are if you had to forecast or predict?
2: I think it would have to go – it would depend on who he's up against. Um, Some of these guys on the GOP side in debates could probably mop the floor with him. He doesn't know what Pennsylvania's issues are, so he'll just talk about general national stuff. He'll use some GOP talking points, and he won't talk about Pennsylvania. And I can tell you from what people are saying around where I am – Um, people want somebody who knows what Pennsylvania needs. They don't want to even entertain anybody who's not talking on a smaller scale. So um, even Fetterman talks a little big for some of the left-leaning folks around here instead of talking about Pennsylvania stuff. So I think he'll make a showing and then he'll disappear. And I don't know who, who there is on the other side but if they don't put anybody up on the other side, if they don't have enough of a name or somebody who doesn't make enough of a splash then it will be this guy against somebody from the left like maybe a connor lamb or something so you know if they want to give it to him and then he ends up making an ass out of himself and the democrats win that works
1: i mean that's that'll be definitely one to watch now how can people interact with you on social media
2: oh they can find out today all about my um wrapped thing from Spotify if they go to my handle, even the E-D-E-N-T-A.
1: Yes, I have to post mine. Too. It is, it's interesting to see that, see, I listened to like 39,000 minutes of music and podcasts over the last year. That's a lot. I mean, lot. that is a lot, a lot. But, you can find me at Tequila, T, the bigs and tequila or capitalized lowercase. It's everything else. You can find this podcast wherever you find quality podcasts. This has been, yeah, another fantastic episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast, Bigs and Lands. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other on the first day of December. As always, fuck Ted Cruz.